You're listening to Coding Blocks, episode 102. <laughs> Subscribe to us, leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, and more using your favorite podcast app. And visit us at codingblocks.net where you can find show notes, samples, discussion, and more. You know, I sound the same at all speeds. That's what I was told. <laughs> yeah, you got to Come on. <laughs> Got to make it different. Send your feedback and rants uh, and questions to comments at CodyBlocks.net. Follow us on Twitter at CodyBlocks or head to www.CodyBlocks.net and find all our social links there at the top of the page. With that, I'm Alan Underwood. <laughs> I'm Joe Zach. And I'm Michael Outlaw. This episode is brought to you by Stellarez, the AI-powered talent agent for top tech talent. Hate your job? or just kind of meh about it, Stella Res will help you find a new job you'll actually be excited to go to. And Stella Res knows that a job is much more than how it sounds in a description, so they built their AI-powered talent agent to help you find your ideal job. Stella Res does all the work in screening for you, scouting the best companies and roles, and introducing you to opportunities outside your network that you wouldn't have found otherwise. Combining deep AI matching with human support, Stellar Res pairs things down to a maximum of five opportunities that tightly match your goals, like compensation, uh, work-life balance, working on products you're passionate about, and team chemistry. They then facilitate warm intros, and there's never any pressure, just opportunities to explore what's out there. To get started and find the job that's just right for you, visit stellarez.ai. Slash coding blocks. That's S T E L L A R E S dot A I slash coding blocks. All right. So before we jump into the topic today, which is going to be all about dates and times and how hard they are in programming, the first thing we like to do is go over a little bit of podcast news. And first, we want to thank those who have taken the time to leave us some reviews. Yep, and so from iTunes, uh, we'd like to thank Mike JG101, Javi Krunenberg, Grumpf, Sean finally left a review, Hippie MX, uh, Crosling, Kip Winger 777, and Jamal Zada. That was that was pretty impressive. Yes, hey, like a boss. And Sean truly finally did leave a review. What? That's like two years in. We're yeah. proud of you, man. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so I've got Stitcher here. And wait, we, were you going to do all of it by yourself? Because you, we got it like a little bit here. Oh yeah, we, we can have switch a few. Them. We, we want to switch them up. Me and me and Jay Z alternate these. Is that what we want to yep, do? Yep, let's do it. All right, here we go. So I've got Aminor. Wait, wait. No, I say Aminor. Yeah, it's going to be weird if he reads the next one. I was, I'll go ahead and say the next one. Joe is clearly the best, which is awkward. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, what do we got? The- I think that's one that Joe wrote in, by the way. Because remember last episode, he said he was going to do that. <laughs> he said, oh, I'll just write anything in here and you'll read it. That's right. <laughs> um, the Buggerminator. Uh, Something vague. Yeah, there we go. Sergeant McLean. Autex? Wandavai? Wait, come on. That's gotta be VI. Maybe. Ooh. Uh Code Errata. I like that one. Eric O. Brantley. PB and Jam Stack. <laughs> <laughs> that was Joe. Uh Morton. <laughs> oh God. 
Please be careful. <laughs> this is you. This is oh, you. is it me? Yeah, it's your turn. Oh, okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say this in a southern way, and I'm gonna Super say slow. it slow. Super slow. Sofa. There we go. King. Yep. Yep. Pythonic. Yes, very nice. If you'd like <laughs> to say that faster on your own, that's up to you. We, we made a decision uh, you know, keeping here. Keeping it PG here. Yeah, keeping it PG. Uh, also, I wanted to say a big thanks to <laughs> Thomas for leaving us a review and uh, discuss. It was really nice, and we appreciate all the great feedback. Especially, we just crossed uh, episode 100, so I want to take a couple extra seconds to say thank you very much uh, for all your help and getting us through uh, like five years now, six years. Crazy. It's been awesome. 100 that. episodes. Yeah, man. Insane. And coming up uh, into March, we're all going to be in Orlando Code Camp. Uh, March 30th, we've got a couple of hats to give away. And so if you're one of the early birds that comes up and uh, asks for it, we'll give it to you. And uh, we'll have a booth. And we'll be doing a little panel there, too. So make sure to come on by and uh, say hello. Get Alan in the shins. Now, whoa, whoa, wait. Now, question is, should the hats be given away just because they ask or should we make them have some fun with it? Like, if you can kick Joe in the shins and we can verify it, it has to be verifiable, then... You get a hat. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, I like the first way better. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, where they just ask? That sounds kind of boring. I guess we'll do it that way. Yeah, I've never seen oh. anybody do it, even though he's asked a lot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and, and uh, in fairness, hey, Santosh, I did find what my talk is on. So <laughs> I think I'm good now. I was able to log in and I was able to see it. So I'll prepare at least something for Orlando Code Camp. That'll be fun. <laughs> Oh, and I wanted to mention this. I don't think Joe was going to put this in here, but he actually wrote a nice little article about the the myth of full stack developers and how he he disliked some of the negativity around it. So we'll have a link in the show notes for that, and I think that's worth reading. It, it's a good stuff there. Yeah, I'll tell you real quick. Um, oh, sorry about the version, but uh, when I first started programming, like the web was new, and I was like a young kid doing HTML, and like all the like the real programmers were kind of turned their nose up at HTML. And so I kind of had this chip on my shoulder back then that like I kind of felt like I wasn't a real programmer. And so like I started focusing more on back end stuff, you know, wanted to be a real programmer. They still never really quite like looked at me the same as like the, the real programmers. And then at some point in my life, at some point in my career, it kind of changed. So I started working on some more back end stuff and I started kind of getting attitudes like, oh man, you only do back end stuff. Like that's easy. Like try working with humans sometimes. <laughs> and I felt like people were telling me again, like, Nah, now you're not a real programmer because you're not doing much web stuff. I'm like, what the heck? And I feel like throughout all our careers, like we probably heard the same kind of stuff. Like, well, engineers have to build bridges that you know are, are like mission critical, critical and can't fail. And you know, programmers just slop stuff together. I just feel like I keep, I'm tired of the gatekeeping. I'm tired of people telling other people that they're not good enough, that they're not real programmers. Like, listen, if you're solving problems and you're doing good work, don't let anyone put you down. Don't let anyone put anyone else down. And yeah, there's, there's my high horse for the episode. You know, there was an interesting tweet and now I can't find it. So um, I could have sworn it was from Arlene that tweeted it. Um, or, or maybe it wasn't a tweet. Maybe it was a Slack message or something that I saw come in. But, you know, we talked about like, uh, you know, the idea of like being a T-shaped developer, right? You remember that conversation? And I think I've jokingly, you know, said about just being like a, a, a narrow dash, Mm-hmm. before yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know um but she or someone made the point of saying like you know referring to full stack developers as a lowercase m shaped developer because in in specifically a lowercase letter because there weren't like high peaks and valleys uh 
you know, between it. But the point being is like, there's a few things that you can go deep on. Right. I, I thought that was a neat, that. I thought that was, I, I liked that, uh, that concept. I agree with that. I also, I mean, I know we don't want to go on this too long, but it, it is kind of annoying when people are like, Oh, uh, Jack of all trades, master of none. Yes. I, I feel like that's complete garbage because if you've been doing it long enough, you're probably very skilled in a couple of those areas. Right. And then you, and then you probably have a decent amount of knowledge, even in the other one that you wouldn't consider yourself an expert in. So it, I, a full stack developer is real. <laughs> I know lots of them and it, it's, it's actually really hard. And I'm not saying it's easy to be somebody that's just, you know, super, uh, deep in one particular thing, right? Like there, there's, there's merit to all of it, but a full stack developer is not a myth, right? If somebody can take something from soup to nuts themselves with little to no external interaction, that's full stack. So, but if you Google full stack, the first article is called full stack developers are a myth. Yeah. Complete garbage. Don't, <laughs> yeah. You can read the article and then toss it away. Yeah. So anyway, nothing wrong with specializing, but there's nothing wrong with uh, going wide or being a full stack or being able to do whatever kind of stuff that you do. Totally so, agree. That was the point with that. Awesome. Sorry for the derail. No, no. All good. Okay. So this, this particular episode, put on your propeller hats. There's the man. Like there's way more complexity to dates and times in coding. Wait, dating? Yeah. See, dating <laughs> is hard. Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> dating can be hard or it can be fun. It, it, you know, I guess it depends on, on your approach. But why are we even talking about this? I guess it would be the first question is, come on, a date's a date, right? Like I just say new date and, and I have my thing. Or in C Sharp, I can say date time dot now and I'm good, right? Well, No. So in case you didn't know, people live across time zones, right? Like I'm a big fan of Monday night football and it doesn't start till nine 30 my time where all the people out in California are watching it during the regular waking hours, right? right? That's a problem. So there's this thing of different time zones and there's, man, there's so much with this. One of the first things that I have is I, I said, well, let's paint a picture. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say like, can we maybe back it up? Cause it, it almost sounds like, like, obviously we're all aware of time zones, right? But you think that that's all you need to worry about, right? Like, you know, you think like, oh, there's nothing to dates, right? Like, you know, the time zone and you're good. Yeah. So let, let's, let's paint the picture of starting there. Cause that's the premise that, you know, most people are going to think. Yeah. So let's say that you log something in an application on February 28th, 2016 at 10 PM in California, which is Pacific standard time, right? 2016 happened to be a leap year. So people from different parts of the world use this application. All right. People from all over the world, different time zones. How should this show up for someone on the East coast in the U S was it 1 AM on February 29th? No, didn't February 29th is a leap year. So yeah, maybe it should be that. Uh, do you show it in the original time that it happened? Right. Maybe there's another time zone that you prefer to see everything in. Do you care if, if it shows the time of the day that it actually happened where it was? Right. Like there's, there's all these weird questions that come along for the ride because it, the thing that you might be looking at, did this happen during working hours? Well, working hours in that part of the world. Yeah. Maybe 
you know, what, if it was that time of night, probably not, but would it have been working hours in your part of the world? No. I mean, here's a thought that you didn't have here in this specific example. And it, so it wouldn't apply to this specific example, but, uh, if, if you had picked like, say, uh, an August, you know, 28th at 10 PM, right. Then you'd be in daylight savings times. So if you were trying to show this thing relative to the person, so that they would see like in their own local time, then do you also adjust, you, you know, you got to take into account, oh, well, does this locality take into consideration daylight savings time or not? And that, that can be, that widely varies. And that can be Arizona doesn't, right? Yeah. I, there might be portions, but I mean, there's even parts of the world that have changed over time, right? Like that have said, oh, now we don't do daylight savings time, but we used well, to. Well, check this out. What time zone are you in right now? You talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> Eastern. No, he's asking me. <laughs> Eastern. Eastern. Eastern time. Does that, do you mean generalized Eastern time, Eastern standard time, or Eastern daylight time? Right. Because your time standard. zone actually changes based on the calendar year. Right. So it's not that we move the clocks ahead. We actually change to a different zone, at least here in the states and in our, particularly in our states. Right. So right now we're in Eastern standard time, but in a few months we're going to be in Eastern daylight time. Eastern daylight savings time. Right. So and those are both differentiated from the generalized Eastern time, which, you know, is only one of those. It's absolutely crazy. So, so some of the things you have to think about here is how do you store the information? Right. Like is, that's that's a big deal. How do you know how to display it back to the users of your application? Like I said, are you giving them the ability to choose the time zone? Or are you telling them show it in the time that it occurred? You know, at that location, like there's there's all kinds of things. But here's here's the key part, at least for me, was knowing what your application needs and what it's doing is probably the most important part, right? Like if you're using a security application or you're writing a security application, it's important to know that things happen during the standard hours of business. Like I mentioned, right? Like if it was between eight and five in, in Eastern standard in Georgia, right? If somebody is working in a call center or in a security center overseas in Great Britain, they want to know if something happened during business hours where that event was logged. Not whether it happened in their time zone in during business hours, right? So the context of this date and time is super important. So I don't know. I'm going to mention too, there's a bunch of tricky stuff with, uh, with weeks. Like if you ever had to deal with anything that's like, you know, the first week of the year. Well, when is that? Is it the first Monday? Is it the January 1st? Is it the, it just gets really weird. And, and some weeks or some years are longer than others. And there's even leap seconds. So things get really funky when you start thinking like, wait, there aren't always the same amount of seconds in a day. Mm -hmm. it, it's absolutely nuts. And you'll find out that a lot of times when you're talking to, and we're going to dig into this really deep, but when you start talking about things like uh, epoch times and whatnot, a lot of times those skip the leap seconds, right? Like they don't count them because it's just too hard to do. So it almost sounds like as a general rule though, based off of some of the things you already said that you you pretty much want to favor the side of storing as much detail as you can because if you did want to have like different use cases where like maybe on one screen you want to show it relative to the user who's looking you know the user's time zone who's reading it versus oh here's the chronological actual time you know you're not going to you can't go back and undo that if you right. don't have it up front right having the extra data if you can afford it 
makes sense. Right? If you can afford it, that's a key thing. Right. Yeah. 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 So the first thing I want to start off with before we dig into implementations across the different layers that, that we're familiar with and the most familiar with is a standard that exists. This is a light reading from Wikipedia <laughs> and it reads <laughs> ISO 8601, it, data elements in interchange formats. Man, look, <laughs> familiarize yourself. If you're doing anything in applications, familiarize yourself with ISO 8601. And what you're about to find out is it's way more complicated than what you would have ever thought a date could be. I really feel like we could we could do a reading of this article and it would be hilarious if we all did it in like NPR fashion, very monotone. You know, <laughs> the history of the world type stuff. Interchange information. Yeah, like, the, like the first minute would be funny and then like the middle like – Two minutes to four hours would not be funny, but what? maybe it gets funny again at the end. <laughs> uh, Depends on who the sponsor is. It, it's <laughs> it's pretty big. So here's the crazy thing. Uh, you see when this thing was published? Like 1988. So only 88 years after we started even being able to, to track no, track dates. Like you ever see in SQL Server, the earliest date you can do in their date field is 1900. Well... Uh, yes, but no. Yeah, I, yeah, we'll get to that. So here's the crazy part. 1988. So software has, you know, software development's been a thing for a while. We're in the year 2019 and this stuff is still hard. Like that's crazy when you think about that. So here's, here's a couple of rules of the ISO 8601 standard that I think are, are, pretty easy to grasp. So the date and time values are ordered from the largest to the small unit of time. So if you think about it, if you wanted to be able to order things via like a texting, you're going to go year, month, day, hour, minute, second, and then fraction of the second. So that's pretty easy to see. And that's a standard format that you'll see in a lot of places. Which is great for files. It's fantastic for being able to sort files, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the that's one I always use. I, I mean, I don't care about the nanoseconds or whatever, but I, I definitely like year, month, date. Yeah, the, it, it's helpful. Uh, so here's another thing. Each date and time value has a fixed number of digits that must be padded with leading zero. So that's important, right? Like you can't have 2019-1. It's got to be 2019-01, right? right? Again, very helpful for file names. It really is. <laughs> because if you had one and then you had a 10. Right. October and January would be sorted the same right. when they shouldn't be. Right. So representations can be done in one of two formats. And this is kind of weird to me. Like I didn't know this was part of the standard, a basic format with a minimal number of separators or an extended format with the separators added to enhance human readability. So basically what they're talking about is when you have like 2019 dash, you can get rid of the dashes. When you have the hours, minutes, seconds, you can get rid of the colons and the, and the decimals. So, you can do the format with or without these things. I prefer it with it because, again, it is human readable. But as long as you work with the ISO 8601 standard, you can do it with or without. Oh, it's 24 hour hours, right? 24 hours. So zero right. to 23? Yep, yep. So for reduced accuracy, <laughs> this this part, this is where things just started going crazy in my mind. Any number of values may be dropped for many of the date time representations. So if you just want to talk about January 2019, you can do 2019.01 and then that's it. You can truncate the rest of it. 
If you want it to be the first day of January 2019, you do 2019-0101 and then drop the rest of it. So you can literally chop off the date time stuff wherever you want. As long so as you- 2019 is valid 8601, ISO 8601. Yes. Just the year. Yes. But it has to be from the least to the most significant, right? So I can't chop out one in the middle. Right. I can't chop off the year. Right. You have to start at the most or at the year, then go month, date, right. etc. Most significant to least. Uh, yeah, you said that backwards. I maker, think they right? said it. I, I think they wrote it wrong on here. Because um, you said least to most, and that kind of threw me. Yeah, the least value, like the year is oh, the but biggest in the order of least to most significant. So wait. Well, well, yeah. So you can only remove oh, the, the least significant. Yeah, the, significant the, the values the, may be dropped. There, okay. The, so they're referring to the order. But when yeah. Joe asked his question, he was keeping the significant. And that's what threw it. Okay, gotcha. Yep. So, if necessary for a particular application, the standard supports the addition of a decimal fraction for the smallest time value in the representation. So that's an interesting thing. Is I don't think. No, it is the smallest time value, so it's the second. So you can start doing fractions of seconds after that. Oh, wait. I thought they were saying the smallest fraction that you're adding on there. So if you did in 2019, you could say 2019.5. So I don't know. Maybe it is. Was that in the – that might the be The smallest in- time value in the representation. So, yeah, I would think like you could do like 2019.5. Uh, you might be able to. Which would be somewhere in the middle of the year. Yeah. Is basically what you're saying. I think yeah, you good luck figure. Never do that. Yeah. Never, yeah. Like, good luck oh, I'm not saying you should. I'm not I'm not saying yeah. you should. I'm but just the saying standard that. allows for it. <clears throat> That's the standard, right? Yeah. All right. So so we're going to break this down and talk Let's about the various different pieces of this because this is where things get really important. So years in the 8601 format. It has to be a four digit year to avoid the year 2000 problem. Like, cause if you have zero, zero, what is that? Is that 2000? Is that 1900, 1800? You don't know, right? Um, and that, that makes sense. So here's an interesting thing though, to represent the years before zero, 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 zero or after nine, 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 the standard permits for the expansion of the year. If you agree with it, with the people that you're interchanging data with, with a plus or a minus sign. So if you do a minus sign, that's before the year 0000. If you do a plus sign, then it's after. Now, the part that's sort of weird to me is, is it says by convention, 1BC is labeled plus 00000. I have no idea why that makes sense, but... 2 BC, so two years before 0000, is negative 0001. Well, I guess they're making the distinction that the year one, so 0001, would be the first AD year. So zero had to be something. Well, I I think, though. So they picked it as being the first of the BC years. Well, I think they're treating it like time, though, because if you have 0000, that's literally the year of 0000. But if you want it to be negative one, it's just plus zero 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 zero, which is sort of mind numbing to me. No, no, no. There's not. There's not a zero 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 in a plus zero 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 zero. You don't think so? That wasn't my interpretation. I don't know. I know that it says for one BC you have to put the plus, and for two BC you have to have minus zero 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 one. 
Zero, zero, zero. Well, they're saying that by convention, it's labeled as plus. Not that you have to have it, but, uh, the, but the 2BC, because it's going backwards, you know, you have to have the negative there. But it's one. It's a one offset, which is what's really bizarre. Right. And again, that's what I'm saying is that like there is no year zero, right? So they had, because they're using just n- the number system to represent this, then they needed to they weren't going to skip the zero. So the zero had to be something. So you either make zero, the one BC or the one AD. And it was decided to make it the one BC. Yeah. It's really bizarre. (laughs) Bless you. Sorry. So don't let it happen again. That's years (laughs) for the most part. You may never actually have to deal with this, right? Like in the year part, you may not ever have to deal with it, but the, 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 the standard has stuff in there so that you can go crazy positive or negative. All right. Round table real quick. How many applications have you written where you needed to do calendaring back to one BC? Yeah. I was just wondering like, if you ever have worked with dates before even 1900, I would love to hear about it. So you should leave a comment or send a tweet or something. I would really like to know how that worked out and what kind of stuff you ran into. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I was trying to think of like, what would be possible use cases where you might not? And the things I was coming up with would be like, okay, maybe you're writing applications that can scroll back through dates in history, right? And so, you know, you're letting the user pick a particular date and then you can go back to it. So, like a Wiki, think of something like a Wikipedia, right? And you're like, hey, what happened on this day, you know, 300 years ago? Um, <clears throat> or, yeah, or con- like star related, you know, uh, as Position astronomy kind of thing, yeah, like right, yeah. you know, trying to like figure out like, hey, what was the re- what did the world look like back then? You, know, those like historical things. That was that, there was no other thing I could think of where there was like a valid use case. Yeah, like I'm not going to go to StubHub and be like, hey, I want to buy tickets for the Metallica concert <laughs> uh, 500 years ago. I mean, right? Is SQL Server still going to be a thing in the year 9999? Oh, <laughs> that was another thing. It was like. Hey, are we setting ourselves up for a future, you know, like whatever the Y2K version of, you know, it'd be like Y10,000, you know? Well, we all worked in a system where the uh, the max date that they used was 2525. I remember that. Oh, that was awful, dude. In the year 2525. Now, I mean, technically, to, to answer my own joke about the, you know, setting it up for the Y10K problem, technically, the answer is no, because the standard does account for it. It does account for it. You can put a plus on that thing. But that was still weird, though. It was like, why did you make an arbitrary decision that, like, it can only go up? Like, why why can't you make it go more? Well, why not just have five digits and force yeah. it, right? You or know, six. Like, yeah, I feel like I feel like we're doing like a, a six minute ab commercial, you know, <laughs> <laughs> seven minute. No, 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 no. <laughs> but yeah, it was like, why, why, why limit it? You know. Yeah, I agree. Like, it feels like they put some arbitrary garbage on there just to make it to where to enforce it. But it would have been so much easier to just say, hey, we're going to make this six digits and you're going to left pad it with zeros. I mean, because let's be honest, a 100,000 years from now, people are going to be so mad at us for coming up with this (laughs) stupid standard that's based on four digits and they got to do a plus sign. They're going to do, but they're going to up the standard and it's going to be plus 8601. So that's what's going to happen. I can see people doing stuff now, like astronomical is a good example. You say like, um, you know, when is Haley's Comet going to, you know, fly by, uh, you know, in the year 10,000? 
Like, yeah. That'd be kind of nice to know. Maybe, but isn't the sun going to burn out by then? I don't know. All right. <laughs> you got to be op- more optimistic than that. Maybe just don't be so pessimistic. Maybe it's going to last. The year 20K. <laughs> so, all right. So the next one up, this one's probably the easiest one and the one that makes the most sense is just a calendar date. It's basically what you'd expect, a two-digit day representing the day of the month. So zero one through 31, right? Like that's doesn't get much easier. That's about as easy as it gets here anyways. Until yeah. you try to do math on it. Oh, yeah, that's true, too. You're like, 15 days past uh, January 18th. Like, no. uh, <laughs> oh, man. Now, that's where you're not even talking about representing the standard here. That's just crazy stuff. That's that's date math. and that's- Scheduling is so hard. It, re- it really is. It's so easy to go wrong. Like I, I advise never writing your own scheduler if you can oh, avoid Yeah, it. or write a calendar. You'll, you'll give up on life. I actually have like, a good tool that I use for that. Oh yeah. Well, I don't say like tool will be like SQL Server, man. <laughs> no, no. Well, because I don't, I might not have access to a SQL Server or a, you know, SS, uh, SQL Server Management Studio. But <clears throat> you know, you can just go to timeanddate.com uh, and you can plug in like, hey, this date, and then like add seventeen days to it, and it'll like roll over the months for you, or, or you know, sixty-seven days or whatever, you know. Nice. And then that way, you don't have to worry about. You it. You can also ask Alexa. You could. Quiet. But she she might give you a good answer. Yeah, but that or you you know you're gonna get something purchased. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Buy it on this date. Okay, Think, oh, just purchase Alexa. What date rolls is of next toilet week? Paper. <laughs> uh, all right. So here's the next one that's kind of interesting, and this is week dates. So capital W, lowercase WW, is the week number prefixed by the letter W. So if you put W01 or anywhere through through W53, then you're referring to one of the 53-ish weeks of the year. I know there's 52, but this is a standard they have to accommodate for what Joe said earlier, which is how do you know what the first week of the year is? Right. So going with this, uh, where did I go? Well, real quick, before you do that, though, did anyone else kind of have flashbacks to the opening of the show and kind of think that when he was saying like, Uppercase W, lowercase W, lowercase W. Like oh, you were no, making no, no. a reference to how you would say our website. You could, you could calculated. <laughs> yeah. So here's the crazy part. You could put a D after it as well, or not a D. You could put a digit in there for the day after it, and that'll represent the number from one through seven, beginning with Monday and ending with Sunday. Um, so you could have the format of capital YYYY dash capital W and then lowercase WW, or you can do capital YYYY, all caps, dash capital W, lowercase WW, dash D, D being the day of the week. So you can literally say, hey, I want your 2019 fifth week, third day, right? And that's a way to represent these things in the ISO standard. That's how I you like know, to do my cron jobs. Oh god! Don't even get me started about the cron scheduler. I'm just joking. <laughs> but uh, I, you know, I was thinking, um, uh, if you would ask me like a week ago if like some system rep, you know supported eighty six oh one, I mean, like let me see an example, and you would show me an example. I'm like, yeah, we totally support that. And obviously, I like whatever I'm whatever code I've written around dates does not support all those crazy <laughs> W's and D's and like scaling precision and pluses and minuses. Think no. of any regular expression you've ever written that does parsing for dates. I guarantee yeah. you, you got it wrong. Dude, that's the one the, step below emails. That's the one thing that's really frustrating. And we'll talk about more of it when we get to the C sharp stuff. But 
even C sharp doesn't have the 8601 standard built in is just something you can go use. And it's like, man, if this is the standard that basically the whole world has said, Hey, if you're on the Gregorian calendar, use it. Why, why do languages not have some native support built in for it? Right. Uh, it's, it's sort of infuriating. Uh, yeah, I was dealing with some date stuff this week and the format that I needed and the format I had was off by a Z. <laughs> which the like every date. So I literally had to go and add a Z onto all of my dates. Cause there are UTC. It just happened to like two different platforms. They kind of did things just a little bit differently. Or we're going to come up make to it that happen. Z here soon. Yes, we will. But it's frustrating. So here's one of the things that's interesting. So he asked about the first week, right? Like what's actually the first week of the year, the week with the year's first Thursday in it. So weird. <laughs> I guess because it was just past the midway point. I don't know, but that's it. Or it can be the week with the 4th of January in it. So either or. Either or. Um, It could be the, the first week with the majority four or more of its days in the starting year. Right? So if you have four days on that first week, then then you win. Uh, The week starting with a Monday in the period of 29th of December through January 4th. That's also could be the first week. And so they give an example here as a consequence. If the first of January is on a Monday, a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, it is in week one. If the first of January is on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, it is week 52 or 53 of the previous year. So it's it's more December than it is January. Let's just give it to last year. It's crazy, man. But I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? Because it's not like your weeks just end at the end of the month. They continue into the next month. So, but it's such a backwards way of thinking though, because like if you, okay, let let me say if I, because you know, maybe, maybe you would think about this different. If I were, if I were going to create, let's say I'm starting from scratch. There's no, there's no standard already. There's nothing. And I'm saying, okay, we're going to, I'm going to start counting the weeks and I'm going to start from the beginning of the year, which is January 1st. And so there's week one. And then I'm going to start counting week two, week three, week four, week 52. Right. And then, you know, that, that's where I'm going. But this doesn't, it's like, it's more like it, it because there's a statement here about December 28th is always the last week of the year. Right. So it's almost like it's, it's backwards from the way I was thinking rather than like having a hard set rule of where the beginning is. There's the hard set rule of where the end is. Yep. Yeah. So you'll never have a week 53 in a year according to, to 8601. Uh, no, you'll have a week 53. It's just saying the date of December 28th will be the last week. So it could be 52 yeah. or 53. Okay. Okay. But it will always be the last one. So That's if, so if December 28th falls on week 52, there will be no 53. So yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, but be aware of this stuff because if you're ever having to implement standards where you're communicating between applications, ISO 8601 gives you the best ability to do it to where both sides of the application will understand what's going on. So, yeah. Uh, you just remind me, do you know when the next leap second is now? No, no, it might be in 2020. They haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> oh, that's, <laughs> that's funny. good. Like, well, we're not sure yet. We got to kind of measure and see how it goes. The problem is that the uh, atomic clocks are too good and the earth rotating around the sun is not quite precise enough to keep up with our cesium 133. 
That's ridiculous, man. Oh, man. All right. So the next thing we want to talk about is ordinal dates. And I'm trying to remember what this was. Uh, so this supports the day of the, oh, that's right. This supports the day of the year without a month. So you have 365 days in a year or 366 on a leap year. So you can specify the day of the day of the year in the format with four digit year and three digit days. Again, has to be padded with zeros. So if you're on day one, it's zero, zero, one. So for instance, you could say, 1981-04-05, so April 5th of 1981, is the same as 1981-095. That's April 5th. I'm fine with that. So, you know, good stuff. Uh, this format is used with simple hardware systems that have a need for a date system, but where including the full calendar calculation software might be a significant nuisance. It's kind of interesting wow. to know that. It's a, it, I guess it's like a simple thing, right? Uh, I'm down with that. I, I hate the months anyway. It just don't make any sense. <laughs> what are you talking about? There's not, not even alphabetical order. Uh. And like, there's, like if I say like April to me means something completely different to someone in the <laughs> southern hemisphere, like someone in South Africa, April means very much. So there's no sort of context that you get from like saying the month. You know, just just can we just please just say the number? Man, you crazy. Oh, wait till we get to time zones again. I'll oh, tell yeah. You, I'll tell y'all how it is. Yeah. Time zones are going to mess everything up. All right. So the next big one that we have up is actual times. So the basic format is hours, hours, minutes, minutes, seconds, seconds. And you can separate them with colons if you want, but those are the, and again, you have to include both digits, right? The hour, hour refers to zero padded hour between zero and 24. 24 is used only to denote midnight at the end of a calendar day. And this gets important. And we'll talk about why in a second. Uh, the minutes is also zero padded and it's zero through 59, right? Should make sense. If you hit zero, if you hit 60, you're actually back at zero, zero for the next hour. Um, second seconds refers to padded seconds between zero and 60. 60 is only used to denote a leap second, which is what Joe was referring to previously. So in almost every case, you should never see a 60. I, and and I honestly don't even know when those leap seconds come in. So I think I got something interesting here for you. Sorry. All right. I've been, uh, I've been trying this. So if I, if I got this right, I'm, I'm going to back up from it. Going back to the, the week number thing. So if we said if the first of January is on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, right? Uh huh. Then it's in week one, right? So, and I think day one we haven't gotten to that yet, but day one I believe was Monday, right? Yes, day one is Monday. So meaning that if it's a if the day number is one, two, three, or four, then so if it's four or less, then it's the first week, week one. Right. So here's a little interesting bug you can go try for yourself. <laughs> if you were to open up a Google spreadsheet and you create a range of dates, and for me, I had to go, I had to start at uh, 1121. And there's two functions that you can use one is called week num, and then the other one is week day. And you could pass in the other column. 
okay. to get the week number or the week day number, right? You can see that for the year 2021, Google is wrong and thinks that January 1 is the first week of the year. <laughs> well, maybe they're just not 8601 compliant. That could be possible. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 Apparently, it looks like nobody is. Yeah. So, but, but, but what I'm, what I'm understanding though is it would either be a 52nd or 53rd. It, only in ISO 8601. Yes. Right. Sorry. In yeah. 86, which is the way everyone thinks. Let's <laughs> be honest. Of course it is. I mean, we all were before we even did this. Uh, <laughs> So I was just reading up on leap seconds. Uh, they, apparently, they decided to start doing this in 1972 when they realized that they were 10 seconds behind. But they didn't just want to add 10 seconds somewhere. It's like, oh man, we got we got to spread this out. So they picked a couple of days in the future. Like we're just going to add some seconds here. And now, like every once in a while, they just kind of stuff one in where they think it kind of makes sense to like keep things <laughs> keep things regular. Are you serious? So we had 27 leap seconds since 1972. 27. That's it. That's it. But 10 of those were kind of catch up. So that you know, they, we got a lot more leap seconds back then than we get now. That's ridiculous. Uh, I mean, that's uh, accounting for a second, twenty-seven seconds over. What would you say, nineteen seventy-one? Nineteen seventy-two. Nineteen seventy-two over forty, almost no, almost fifty years. Like, really, is it worth it? <laughs> Let those seconds go, and that's why. Uh, actually, I'm looking at two clocks right now. Like, one's the International Atomic Time, and the other is the Coordinated UTC Time. And uh, right now, the minute is different because <laughs> these leap seconds. That's, that's funny. And I don't know if they're still trying to catch these up or they're trying to get these in sync or if they're just living it and being in like 30 seconds out of sync. That's ridiculous. Uh, that's pretty funny. Oh, yeah. So, so the International Atomic Time is 37 seconds ahead of UTC. Wow. 37. Interesting. Until Which, the next leap second. And we'll be talking about UTC shortly too. So – the seconds we we got the leap second. That's ridiculous. So the, the midnight thing, this is where the special case comes in that we were talking about with the 24 and the zero zero. So midnight can be referred to either as zero 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 zero, or it can be uh 24 zero zero. Now, depends on which episode of Jack Bauer you're watching. <laughs> Chloe. Uh, so, so, <laughs> um, we need to pour it open on the firewall now. That's right. Send it over to my pack. So here's the deal. Zero, 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 zero refers to the beginning of the day. If you use 24, zero, zero, then it's basically referring to the beginning of the next day. So if you use that time with a particular date, then you're actually talking about tomorrow. So be aware of that if you're sharing times and whatnot with, you know, different applications. Wait, say that again. If you're using zero, zero, you're talking about the, from the beginning of the day. So if you said today, January, for, or let's just say it was January 1st, zero, 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 uh-huh. then that's the beginning of January 1st. That day. If you say January 1st, 24-0-0, you're actually talking about midnight of January 2nd. You're talking right, about you're talking the start the of, end January. of January 1st, but right, the beginning okay. of the next day. I just right. wanted to make sure. I, Even though sorry. they both refer to midnight, one refers to midnight the end of the day. The other one refers to midnight the beginning of the day. You know, am I the only one that ever gets confused? Like if you want to write something like, no, you're not. you know, like, hey, is that an AM or a PM? Mm-hmm. Like. You know, no, for, you're not the only one. And instead, it'd be like, you know what? I'm just going to write midnight or I'm just going to write noon and <laughs> forget about it. Or I'm going to be like, hey, I will call you. We're going to start that meeting at 12.01 p.m. I do it. I do it. Yeah. 
Because now I know, but it, I it, the rule is definitely twelve p.m. is noon. Yeah, I know. But, but still, yes, you it, you, you go through the middle thing. You're like, take you're like, wait a second, is that right? Is it a.m.? It was just a.m. No, I don't right. know. <laughs> it's always a double take. Oh man! All right, so the last little bit on this. Let's see, midnight special case, same instant, blah blah blah. All right, so decimal decimal fractions can be added to any of three time elements. However, a fraction may only be added to the lowest order time element in the representation. So what we were talking about earlier, if you add it to seconds, you can do that. But if you have seconds on there, you can't do it to the minutes, right? If you're going to have just minutes and then truncate it after that, you can put a fraction on the minutes. Otherwise, you do it the hours, et cetera, right? So that's all good. So, so going back to our earlier example of 2019 and a half, you can only do a half if that's the lowest, that that's the smallest unit in your time. Yes. Like the least significant. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they, they have some weird stuff here. So what do they have? A decimal mark, either a comma or a dot without any preferences stated in resolution 10 of the 22nd general conference CGPM. Cause that's important in 2003. Right. Whatever. Uh, you can use a decimal or a comma, basically. Uh, and if you want to do the fraction to denote 14 hours, 30 minutes, and one half minutes, do not include a seconds figure. Represent 14 colon 30 comma 5 or 14 30 dot 5. So you can do all that. So, yes, you you can put fractions in there. I tell you, 1988, this was some kind of convention. Dude, could you imagine being one of the people sitting on the board like, can we go home, please? Man, yeah. they were partying like rock stars. <laughs> are you kidding? People are like, well, we want to call it zero. Well, we want to call it 24. We're like, fine, both. Next. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Whatever. We want Moving commas. On. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> we want dots. Okay. Fine. Yeah. So this is a problem for our children's children. This is where things get interesting to me is these time zone designators. And this is where kind of a lot of the pain and dates come around. So time zones in 8601 are represented as local time with the location unspecified as UTC or an offset from UTC. Now I read an entire article on UTC because it doesn't make any sense. It's called coordinated universal time. So cut, right? Why UTC? And it, the article, I don't know if it was real. I don't know if it was legit or not, but it was entertaining. Basically, different countries around the world were like, no, it's going to be called this. And and they basically came up with UTC as a way to, to compromise between all of them, right? But coordinated universal time is what it stands for. So the offset... <laughs> Of zero. I feel like there should be like a OCD joke in there, you know, like it should be like CDO, but it's not, you know, and, uh, and that's like something here too is like, you know, your OCD is like, no, it should be CUT. It, it but totally it's should. UTC. It's, it's ridiculous, man. So, and, and then the funny part is it's always hard for my mind to rewind and go, wait, no, it's coordinated universal time, not time coordinated. Yeah, whatever. So here's the thing. If no UTC relation information is given with a time representation, the time is assumed to be in local time. This is super important. So if you had 2019-01-01 and then you had 12-01 and zero seconds, it's going to assume it's in local time. Now, that assumption is based off your computer configuration stuff, right? So if I'm in Eastern Standard 
time, like like mm-hmm. uh, Joe pointed out earlier, could be daylight savings time, could not be, whatever, doesn't matter. It's assumed to be in the local time of the system that created that timestamp. And you have no idea what no. it is. No, of the system that's reading the timestamp. Oh, of the system. What, so both who's putting it and reading it. Yeah, whoever's consuming it, they're going to assume it's in local time. Yeah. But they're not going to know what the real time that it was. It right. could have been in another time zone. And that's why this else. is so important. Yes. Because if you write that without that time zone, how do you interpret it? Yeah. So you're just defaulting defaulting to, well, I guess it's my time. And I'll give a perfect example of where stuff like this can really bite you if you've been doing database applications for a long time. And we're going to get – Or not. Or if you haven't, whatever. But when you go to store a date, let's say that your server where that thing's being saved is in Pacific time. Uh-huh. It's, it's it's over on the West Coast. But your application that consumes that stuff is on the East Coast you now don't really know unless your application wrote that code or if you know the server wrote the code. Was it the client app? What? Well, if you have a, a database default constraint or on a table, if you have a default constraint on a table, or a, a, you know, yeah, of a get date, then that's going to be where the server is. And, and with the cloud, like it's more likely than ever that your database isn't in the same time zone you may not even know where it is right right if it's in the cloud that thing could be in europe it could be here it could be under your desk you don't know where it is or there could be multiple instances of it in multiple time zones and and one thing i want to caution here and this is i mean i would love for you guys to chime in on this if you're storing dates pick where you're going to create that date from don't do some of them in your database and then do some of them in your application and then some of them on your client app. You pick one and you make it the source of truth for how those dates are generated and saved. Man, that's a tough one. I like that. That's It's so dangerous because if you have your application server sitting in one time zone and your, and your storage, your database server in another time zone and, and you have different parts of your application saving these dates, one's being generated from your database, the other one's being di- created from your application, and you're not storing those time zone offsets, you have no way to reconcile those things. But we all have like we all think we're doing good by creating that default constraint that I just mentioned. Oh man, we're gonna you know get you into think that. you're doing yourself a favor. Yeah, you think. It, it, but now you make a strong point, like you really shouldn't, and especially like you know, I, I mean, not that this is necessarily where we're going with it, but if if you want to ease your ability to horizontally scale, then you want your data tier having as little logic as possible which includes something even as simple as a stupid date. Or we'll get to how you could do this better. But, so Joe, you had something? Yeah, I wanted to mention something. I remember the, one of the first times I set up a computer, I had to like, pick my offset. And back then, I didn't know. So I was like, well, let me try four. Oh, that doesn't look right. And then <laughs> go back and change it. But then uh, more recently, I keep seeing more and more uh, the, the time zone will have you kind of pick like the city designation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of thought that was weird. So like for us, we picked New York because that's like where we Closest. are. Right. But I recently learned that there are actually some official designations that have those labeled. So if you see like Los Angeles time, that's not just them saying like, this is the time zone that Los Angeles is in. Like that's an actual like official designation that maps to the Pacific time. And that kind of, it helps people get around the whole like, well, is it EDT or EST or is it, you know, which one is it? So you just kind of say like, I'm with that city and let's just leave it at that. Oh, it's, it's absolutely nuts. So let's dig into this coordinated universal time real quick, the UTC stuff. So if you have 
the date and it goes all the way down to your hours, minutes, seconds, whatever. If there's a capital Z at the end, then that indicates that the time is in UTC time. What UTC, the coordinated universal, we should back up here. That's basically a zero offset. And it's, it's basically the time zone that goes over Great Britain. Cause I guess that's where the sun sat and or set and, and As ended on the entire empire. Right. So, yeah. So the, the UTC coordinated time, if you look at that slice on the world, that is zero offset. So basically, if you say it's midnight UTC, then you can go all the way around the world and you can say, okay, in, in Georgia where we live, uh, or in Florida where Joe lives, that's minus five hours, right? So depending on time of year, depending on time of year, but let's just assume regular UTC with, with the negative five offset. Then that means that if it's midnight there, then it is, uh, 7 PM our time, right? So the UTC is basically the zero based approach that is a standard that you can look around the world and say, okay, we can figure out every other time based off this thing. So capital Z at the end, you're in UTC time. So if something happened here at 5 PM in the afternoon, we're going to add five hours to that. It's going to be 10 PM UTC. So 10 PM or 10, uh, that'd be 2200 Z, right? So if That's you, why I had to add Z on the end of my import file, even though <laughs> I cheated. So, I just thought it was something made by Nissan. <laughs> you know what's funny is I saw that stuff forever. Didn't uh, didn't realize it had any kind of meaning. I, I didn't really know. Now it's one of those things like you don't care. You right. you look at it and you're like whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's I, something fancy. The system will figure it out. But here's the crazy part. So the Z indicates it's in UTC. There are other ways to do that. You can also do zero plus zero zero. Or I don't think minus zero zero is supposed to be formatted. I think, yeah, I think you can actually do that as well. So you could represent UTC as the time capital Z, or you could do it with plus zero zero or minus zero zero or plus zero zero zero. But, but essentially you can give it an offset of zero. So if you do the plus or minus, you have the ability to offset by a number of hours and minutes. And this is important because most of us think in time zones of, hey, it's off by an hour. You're right. There are some places that are off by 15 minutes. There are some places that are off by 30 minutes. So the offsets aren't always, hey, if you move over from Georgia to Alabama, it's it's just an hour. But you might go somewhere around the world and it's off by a 15 second or a 15 minute increment. So it's important. And I think there there were some places in Asia that were off by fifteen minute increments, and I don't remember what they were. Um, oh, I got actually like a if you pull up the there's actually a Wikipedia for the list of time zones by country, and you can find some that are like there's there's an island or, or group of islands out there um, near. Well, I guess it's part of New Zealand or near New Zealand. Um, put New Zealand on the map. Um, <laughs> That is, that is, uh, like 1245, like they're, they're, they have a 45, you know, kind of, instead of it being the hour. And then there's others in here that are listed as like, um, 30 minutes or I haven't found the 50 minute one, although I know there's one in there now that I say it, I can't, I was, well, oh, here's one being, yeah. uh, for man, how you pronounce that? Man, Manmar, uh, which would be like a 30 minute, like plus six thirty. Yeah. So. It's, it's crazy. So 
here's the cool part is when you think about this, if you have the time and the offset set up, then you can always point to a point in time. So like I said, if we're looking at Georgia time and I want to represent that in UTC, then I'm going to say right now, what time is it? It's uh it's 10 20 PM our time in, in Eastern standard, right? So I know that that's five less than UTC time. So if we add five hours to that, then, then we could save it in UTC. But if we want to represent it that, Hey, this is the point in time when it happened in that time zone, we just say, Hey, this happened at 2220 minus zero five. And then you know that, Hey, if you need to convert that to UTC time, you can, but you also have the point in time of where it originated. And that's very important. Yeah, I, I want to mention uh, it's really important to have that offset for a couple reasons. One is if we just did EST or EDT, there's also Australian Eastern and Australian Eastern. So those, that three-letter acronym is reused. And also I wanted to say that time zones do actually change. Like California was talking about um, ditching the, the daylight savings time change there for a while. So if they didn't store those offsets with the, e, the UTC, you can imagine anything that was like scheduled in the future or whatever that change happens is suddenly like, well – in order to figure out what time UTC this happened, I need to know when this date was entered into the system. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to store that offset alongside it and just always go with UTC. Well, going along the lines of what you just said about uh, the them changing, because another thing too is like I, you know, historically I I would think of time zones as being specific to like, um, where you know like where the sun would kind of you know rise and fall on a particular you know, piece of the world. Right. Right. But that's not necessarily always the truth. Always true. Sometimes those time zones are just set for political reasons, mm-hmm. right? They, ha- they they don't have anything to do with the actual time of day. And so like there was a story that came out last year about North Korea. So to Joe's point about them changing about p- places, changing time zones, they had historically been uh, 30 minutes. North Korea was 30 minutes off of South Korea, even though they border one another. And they changed it so that they would be on the same hour, and then they recently reverted back. So they 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 huh. they had that that they were on the same year for like three years uh, or the yeah. same hour for three years. And if you don't store changed. that, you lose that information. Yeah. So yeah. now, so now they're thirty minutes. Uh, North Korea is thirty minutes different than South Korea, but yet. It's it was, not because it has anything to do with like where the sun. It's falls. all it's all political. Yeah. And so I think the last little bit to talk about on this, your offset can be in hours, hours, minutes, minutes, or it can just be hours, hours. And then again, you can use the colon as a separator between the hours and the minutes, or you can just leave it off. But you have the plus or the minus and then the zero based offset. So that's pretty interesting, right? Now, the uh, the last part of this date time ISO 8601 thing that I want to talk about here. And we'll mention some other stuff, but things get really crazy as you go on past. I I wanted to hit on the basics. This one, if you have a combined date and time, the only real big deal is you put a capital T in between the date and the time. And that's what allows you to know that, hey, this is sort of the separator. The date was on the left. The time was on the right. Because if you remember right, that T is kind of important because you can kind of truncate some of that stuff, I think, on the date, right? Like you could just say you're 2019 and then, I don't know, put some other garbage on there and then T and then put your time stuff. So go ahead. 
I was going to mention too, like one thing about times that's kind of funny is you ever had a computer that was just off on its time, like for whatever reason, it just couldn't sync up. Or if you had a VM and you resumed it like a month later and it had like the wrong date or wrong time or something, and it just doesn't fix itself. And so any sort of logs or anything that happened in that time, like you're doing that mental math to figure out what had really happened there. It's, it's all really hard to deal with too. When you have a bunch of servers that you're trying to like match up logs and whatnot and the times are all jacked. Hey, real quick too, quick correction too. Like I was remembering that article wrong. Like they haven't changed yet, but they were talking about uh, changing, okay. reverting it back to where they would be 30 minutes. So at the moment, North and South are the same. But because I know that everybody was like, you know, hanging on the edge of their seats because that was like important. And they were like, Oh my God, how long? It's crazy. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> no, he's wrong. Oh, screaming at their car. Uh, so here's one thing that's interesting though. Either basic or extended formats may be used when you're doing a date and a time, but you have to be consistent across both. So you can't take the colons and the dashes off one side and, and then leave them on the other and vice versa. If you choose not to use the extended format, you have to do it across the entire thing, right? So that's basically it. Now, the stuff that we're not going to talk about, but is probably super useful to people that are thinking about, like we were talking about scheduling is hard. ISO 8601. <laughs> It supports that kind of stuff. So they also have durations, time intervals, repeating time intervals, what? and all kinds of other stuff. So so they have things built into the standard to allow you to use that. And it's probably super useful if you're building a scheduling type app because I'll you look. can <laughs> – Oh, man. Yeah. Could you imagine? Right. I mean, so, so yeah, just be aware that it's there. So – we talked about all the ISO 8601 because I honestly believe if you're going to be creating apps that are going to be talking to other applications, you're creating APIs that are other applications need to use. Learn it. <laughs> know it. The standard, really? The standard. Know it. Oh, no. Because like I said, languages don't necessarily support them natively, which kind of stinks in my opinion. Uh, I want to think about this as little as possible. <laughs> Man, it, it's so frustrating. This episode is sponsored by Clubhouse. Clubhouse is the first project management platform for software development that brings everyone together so teams can focus on what matters, creating products their customers love. While designed to be developer first, the UI is simple and intuitive enough for all teams to be enjoy using. Do you hear that? Developer first. That's for us. And when I say things like that, I mean things like they've got Git tips in there so you can easily create branches or they'll actually give you the commands that you can paste into your command line. That's because this tool has been designed for our perspective first. Yeah, and along those lines, they just introduced a Bitbucket cloud integration. So now you can track the status of your pull request by automatically associating a branch with a story. <clears throat> you can associate pull requests with stories to give colleagues vis visibility to when a PR is opened and after. And you can update the story st states automatically with workflow triggers and event handlers. So yeah, there's great developer integration. When you log in, you'll immediately see your work queue, active tasks, and up upcoming due dates. So you're going to know if you're late on something. And you'll see an activity feed of what your colleagues are working on. And with a simple API, remember, developer first, and a robust set of integrations, Clubhouse also seamlessly integrates with the tools you already use every day, like Slack or GitHub, for example. It's getting out of your way so you can focus on delivering quality software on time. Go ahead and sign up for two free months of Clubhouse by visiting clubhouse.io slash codingblocks. Again, that's clubhouse.io 
slash coding blocks to get your two free months and see why companies like Elastic, Full Story, Launch Darkly, these all love Clubhouse. All right. Well, it's that time of the show that we ask that if you haven't already left us a review, we would forever be in your debt and be really appreciative if you would leave us a review. You can find some helpful links at www.codingblocks.net slash review. And uh, as you may have heard me say once or twice, you know, share us with a friend. Tell a friend about the show, too. We would appreciate that, too. You know, spread the word. And so with that, we will head to my favorite portion of the show. Survey says. All right. So, uh, all right. Episode, a couple episodes back, episode 98, we asked, how much time do you spend coding outside of work? And your choices were nada. I don't write code for free. Or until I go to bed. Or I take the weekends off. Otherwise, I'm writing code. And last, like a sine wave, I go through phases. Sometimes more, sometimes less. All right. So, you need me, my name is Joe. Okay. Uh, I think, uh, uh, oh, definitely like a sine wave. Definitely. Okay, like a sine wave? Definitely. And the percentage is 42%. Wow. 42%. He's confident with his choice here. He is. Yeah. Like a sine wave. Sometimes I'm just right. <laughs> There's oh. not a song for this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Coding that reminds for me. for the very first time. Oh, All right. Geez. <laughs> All right. Oh, boy. So... so uh man, that was the one I was gonna pick. I definitely wasn't gonna shoot that high. Let's see. I'm gonna say I take the weekend off, otherwise I'm coding, or otherwise I'm writing code. And let's go with 33 percent. Okay, so our choices are like a sine wave at 42 percent, like a or sine I wave. take the weekend off at 33 percent. Yep. And Alan. You are definitely the loser. Ah! <laughs> oh, man, you overshot. I did. Big time. Really? Yes. Wait. Not even close. Was that the answer, though? That was the last answer. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, by a lot. It was <laughs> It was far and away like a Nada. side wave. Oh, really? Okay, cool. Yeah. And it was like 73% of the vote. Wow. Far and away the winner. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I was really surprised by that. But it made me feel good because I, I definitely am like I'm a that. sine wave, yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely like there are times where it's like, you know what? No, I, I've I'm gonna go mountain biking or I'm gonna play guitar or something else, right? Yeah. And then there'll be like the winter months especially are when like I kinda hunker down and, and will do more like kind of learning. I, I consider it learning, whether it's like reading books or you know, coding or whatever, like those kind of things. But when it's nice weather you know, it's funny for me. Mine's sort of the inverse. I think I get cabin fever during the winter. And so I want to go outside and do things. And I'll find myself just because it's so hot outside in the summer where we live mm. that especially in the evenings, I'll just, I'll be sitting there doing that stuff until midnight, 1 a.m., whatever. So, but yeah, that's awesome. 
We are, I think you're probably the same, right? Well, Joe, I think you always write code. I'm not sure that you're assigned. Well, it's summer year long too. So there's no seasons down here, unfortunately. <laughs> That's right. uh, it's in the eighties today. It's too hot. Man. Like 85. Dude, that, that is kind of crazy for, uh, we're in February. Yeah. 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 80s. Get out of here. <laughs> you know, you know, though, Alan, I got to ask you because, <clears throat> you know, you, you just graced us in song. Yeah, it was good, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And- <laughs> <laughs> you sound a little hurt over there. Uh- yeah, I just I thought it was going to be 42% for sure. <laughs> if you, I mean, you still won even by Price is Right rules, you right? You didn't go over. So you, you won. You won. Yeah, you picked yeah. the right answer, and you didn't overestimate it. So good job. Yeah. Uh, but you know, Alan, do you ever, you know, okay, so so a little a little behind the scenes here, right? So, uh, you know, when I'm putting the show the show notes together to publish the episode, right, and I, I try to find like some little whimsical things to put oh, as no. like the intro, right, and and usually too, I'll use that same kind of blurb, like when I'm. When I'm socialing out, you know, hey, everybody, you know, latest episodes out and whatnot, right? Um, you know, I'll use that same that same content there for that part too, because because in my mind, sometimes it's funny. You know, you might some some are probably funnier than others, but I'm kind of curious. Like, do you pay attention? I feel like I need to go look up what was the uh, last few. Do you, do you pay attention to them? Like, cause, I mean, you get, you get, you should get notifications about it from the various platforms. Like, oh, oh hey, you were included. I sang in here. some sweet songs. Yeah. Do you, Coming you know? down. Yeah, there you go. The yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. I remember. <laughs> uh, I, I was, I wasn't sure, like, if it, if it, like, uh, you know, if it caught your eye, if you were like, wait, I did? No, I didn't see that. But you know what's amazing is I feel like I should go Denzel now and be like, you know, Lionel Richie ain't got. Oh me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, King Kong, calm down. That's right. <laughs> Give it rowdy here. Oh man. All right. So today's survey is how many conferences do you go to per year? And your choices are I usually average one to three conferences a year, or somewhere in the range of four to six. Or more than six, but nothing crazy. Or I go to all of them that I can afford or my company can afford. Or I travel all over speaking at conferences, so I go to too many. Or lastly, zero. I don't like them. They're too expensive. They take too long. They're too far away or some other similar reason. Uh, how many would you go to? Like, what what would be your ideal number there? Oh man, now I feel like we're going to taint it, though. Well, no, this is ideal. Okay, not like how many do you actually make it to? Yeah. Um. I mean, two, two, only two. See, I was going to say one a quarter. So I was going to say like mm, four. But but I think that that partly that part of that is are you traveling far for yeah. them like if they're if they're local and at least you know we're able to go to several locally right because we live in a pretty decent tech area yeah, yeah I, I don't know it, actually i'd probably say three like mine kind of borders on topics that would be interesting right like uh frameworks that are out 
data things, big data things coming and, you know, maybe machine learning type stuff. Mine would be very topical. That's important too. That's an important call out too, is that the four that I'm thinking of, like not the same theme. I don't want to go to a bunch of JavaScript things. I don't want to go to a bunch of C sharp things. Like I want to hit one of each, right? So that I'm constantly, you know, keeping my, my full stack, not a myth thing going. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, this year I'm on schedule to do, uh, so far one a month. Wow. And, uh, if, but a lot of it's local, so it hasn't been too bad. I've so been crazy. to two already, have two coming up in March. Wait, wait, wait. We talking conferences or meetups? Conferences. You're going to one a month? So, I mean, that's, that's been my schedule so far. That's wow. going to fade off in, uh, favor. I think, but, um, the, what I was looking at was basically doing like six or seven this year, but I think that's my limit. But I, uh, I tend, I only go to Saturday conferences basically, oh, okay. which is also a bummer because <laughs> it definitely feels like work and I'm tired, especially if I'm traveling. But I, the three day conferences, um, you know, I, I don't love them. I just, it's, it's a lot. It's especially overwhelming. If you travel, you're staying in a hotel like three days. You're tired. I like the, the Saturday ones. I feel like I get a lot out of them. Yeah. Uh, I definitely wasn't thinking when I said the four, I wasn't thinking like four, three days either. Right. So yeah, yeah. I was kind of thinking like you could maybe squeeze in, you know, one or two of those, but definitely not. I, yeah, because something like Ignite, like that's almost a week long event. That's a yeah, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. But yeah, I go to I go to pretty close to one meetup a month. Plus, uh, I would say well, one meetup or one conference. Like one well, one meetup a month and one conference every two months. Oh, okay. it's probably my average. Hmm. It's too much though. It's too much. It is a lot. But it, yeah. it, it is a nice way to stay involved. It's almost like listening to a podcast, except you interact with people too, right? So yeah, no, you, yeah, you throw the podcast in there, and then like a couple uh, open source projects, and uh, that's pretty much uh, all my all my time. That and Pokemoning, <laughs> yeah, that and Pokemoning, definitely for sure. <laughs> Priority timer's out now. That's right. Priorities. This episode is sponsored by Datadog, a monitoring platform for cloud scale infrastructure and applications. Datadog provides dashboarding, alerting, application performance monitoring, and log management in one tightly integrated platform so you can get end-to-end visibility quickly. Visualize key metrics, set alerts to identify anomalies, and collaborate with your team to troubleshoot and fix issues fast. Try it yourself today by starting a free 14-day trial and also receive a free Datadog t-shirt when you create your first dashboard. Yep, so go to www.datadog.com slash coding blocks to see how Datadog can provide real-time visibility into your application. So again, that was www.datadog.com slash coding blocks to sign up today. All right, so here comes the fun part. And this is stuff that, man, I actually hate to admit it, but I'm human. And <laughs> I just learned about this. Wait, secret. you hate to admit you're human? I, I hate to admit that I learned something that seems this basic oh. after so many years of using something. So, man, SQL Server. I, Outlaw was talking about defaults. And, man, I, I guarantee you all three of us have used GetDate a billion times in our career. Still do. Right. Because it's, <laughs> it's, it's the one that makes the most sense. When you look at it, you're like, oh, good date. Sweet. Yeah, that makes sense. Perfect. That's my guilty developer confession. Still use it. Oh, man. So I'm going to break down some things for you that are going to be somewhat interesting, really, really propeller hat type stuff, but it's nice to know how these things work behind the scenes. So in SQL Server, 
go look up your RDBMS of choice and figure out how things are working there because you probably want to be aware of them after this. But in SQL Server specifically, date-time values are stored as two integers for a total of eight bytes. They are based on the Gregorian calendar, which I have a link in the show notes if you are interested in what the Gregorian calendar is. But just be aware that you have a date and a time portion. All right. The first integer is the date. And this can represent, and this is why I said it can be less than 1900. January 1st, 1753 through December 31st, 9999. Okay, cool. <laughs> we don't need dates before 1753 or after 9999. We're good, right? Here's the interesting thing. The value of zero in that left byte part or the left part of that byte is 1-1-1900. Positive numbers are the additional days after that. So if the value, if you have a value of two, that is one, three, 1900. The value of two is add two days to one, one, 1900, right? Negative numbers are the days before that. So negative two would be 1230, 1899. And that is basically how you derive your dates. And that's why you have the weird range you do from January 1st through uh, December 31st, 9999. So okay, it's kind of interesting. The second integer value is the time. Now, this is where things get completely whack. All right. So this represents because they weren't whack before. Right. No, we're right. We're fine. No, this is this is where things will really bother you when you start thinking about this and start realizing what you didn't know. So zero 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 hours, minutes, seconds through twenty three fifty nine fifty nine dot nine nine seven. That's what this integer can represent. So zero all the way through 23 hours, 59 minutes, 59 seconds, and 997 thousandths of a second. So you didn't see a 999 there. Why? That's absolutely crazy. It's because this integer for the time represents the number of three thousandths of a second after midnight. (laughs) So 333 as the integer on the right would roughly be one second after midnight because it's in 0.003 increments. Wow. So to make things worse, because they're not bad enough yet, because it's (laughs) incrementing in three thousandths of a second, the values are rounded to the nearest 000, 003, or 007. That was the craziest part of all of this to me. Where, why, how did you land on that? Dude, and you know the funny part is, I can't tell you how many times over the years that I'm like, hey, I want to put in the end of the day, but I don't want it to be 24000. I want it to be 23599599. And I've gone back and looked at the date, and I'll see 997, and I'm like, Maybe I typed it in wrong. I can't (laughs) tell you how many times I've thought that in my career only to realize later that no, it rounded it down to zero zero seven or, or nine nine seven in this case. Crazy. So be aware of that. Your precision is probably not what you thought it was, right? And if you need to store things down to the nanosecond, a date time specific type will not get you the accuracy you need. 
Wow. And and I've got some code. I've got some code here that I wrote up to play with this stuff to show what's going on. I might even make a video on it because it's really interesting to see how this stuff works. Like I'm actually, and I got this off a website. I've got a link in the uh, in the docs. It's it was actually from a Redgate um, post that was really really well done. Um, but. Anyways, yeah, I've got this code, might show up, but it'll definitely be up on the site. You can go copy and paste it and run in SQL Server, and you'll see what's happening. It's absolutely crazy. If you want to see this code, then you should tweet at Alan and tell him that he can't make a video about it. <laughs> uh, right. Psychology. There we go. Well, it reminds me of uh, like one of my – I don't tweet often, but when I do, <laughs> there, there was like this one joke that like I put out there that I was like, oh, this one I actually kind of find funny where it was like, Oh, SQL server. I'll never understand you. And it was like, this is a timestamp, not a date, but yet you would call get date and it would return back the full timestamp. And I'm like, this is also a timestamp, but like, <laughs> yes, I was like walking through all the, you know, not all of them, but some of the various functions. And it was like, ah, oh, these are all weird. Yeah, man. I'm telling you right now, this was eye opening to me. Like when I actually had to deep dive all this stuff and, and I deep dived it before this episode because I've run into problems that were, that were causing me headaches. Right. And this is why I went to the ends of the earth to figure out what was going on. So, so that's all fine and dandy, right? Like we've got this date thing that's got this weird range in it and we've got this time that sort of gets it all the way down to the millisecond, sort of, or the nanosecond. But there's a piece missing, and it's something that you probably don't consider if you're just writing apps and you don't think about it. There's no time zone. There's no offset, and that's a big deal. If you are storing data that needs to be represented in different time zones around the world, that's a problem. So date time is not going to give you what you need. Um, so let's see. Oh, here, here's another thing, a little note that I have. Um, with you, and I might have this somewhere further in the notes, but there's a difference between talking about a time zone and an offset. And we've briefly mentioned that before you can always get the offset from a time zone, but you can never get the time zone from an offset, right? Because as we mentioned, there's multiple time zones for this particular offset that we're in, which is negative zero zero or negative zero five here. Right. There's three or four different time zones that you have, but you can't reverse engineer the other way around. So just be aware of that. If you're going to store, if you're going to pick one of the two, you probably want the offset because that's probably the most useful in most cases. You might have some cases where you want the, the time zone as well, but you can't reverse your way back to the time zone. And so if the, if the time zone is important to you, you need to store that separately somehow. So for example, if you were to say UTC plus five plus zero five colon zero zero. Right, right. You could be referring to some islands that are part of France. I'm not sure how you would pronounce it, but the Kerguelen Islands, maybe. I, I probably like really butchered that one. I'm going to stop trying to pronounce these various places and just say like France <laughs> uh, or Part of Russia, part of Antarctica, or part of Australia, or Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan. 
Oh, that's what I meant to say. Yeah. Um, I said it that way. You you heard oh, Kazakhstan? You to hear. Kazakhstan, I think, is the actual way to say it. Uh, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> Specifically, Western. Yes, Kazakhstan. All right. Um, or I mean, there's like other places too. Like Pakistan is in there. Um, Maldives. So to your point, yeah. Like if you only gave that offset of UTC plus zero five colon zero zero. Okay. You, you can't get back to it. No. And and again, know your application, right? Like, does it matter? If it doesn't, then then maybe you don't need it. But but know what you're actually going to need. And if you ever have any inclination that you're going to need any of it, store it. Yeah, that's really the problem, though, right? It's like you might not know you need it until you're not going to know you need it until you know that you need it, and that might be too late to find out that you need it. Yeah. It's possible. It's definitely possible, but you can't go wrong with at least storing the offset, right? Get that more than likely. If nothing else, get that. So here's some of the problems with date time. Just, just so we get these out of the way, you have no way of truly knowing what time offset or date time it originated from. You saved it. It's done. Did it come from your application? It come from the server. You don't know. You, you, you hope you know, but you have no guarantee, right? And then. You lose precision. You lose that precision. Like I said, it does rounding. If you weren't aware of that, that's a big deal. You may not care because your use of it may not require that you have it down to the nanosecond, but be aware that you are losing rounding precision there. Um, common methods that you use that we use are get date. It's probably the most famous one. And then here's another one that is helpful for you. If you are going to be using date time fields for storage, if you use get UTC date, you're guaranteed that you'll get your date time in the zero offset, which is the coordinated universal time. So if nothing else that you take away from this right now is consider using get UTC date instead of get date. It still has the same precision problems that a date time will have. But at least you have zero offset, assuming that your system's set up in the proper time zone in the first place, right? So, I mean, you can totally shoot yourself in the foot with date times just by not setting your your particular system up in the right time zone. Well, speaking of getting shot, if you're the first person at your organization to swap over to get UTC date, you created one table and all your other tables are done in some other time zone and you're the first one going UTC, get ready to get shot because that's going to be a pain. I don't really know what it takes to migrate a big system over, but you know, ultimately the sooner you do it, the better because otherwise you're just going to keep building stuff. But, uh, that's going to be a major hassle for, for pretty much everybody, I would think. But you definitely don't want to just go off and start creating your next set of tables and UTC if everything else is done in, in plain old whatever. In local. Yeah. I mean, that's the most important thing is you really have to be aware of what you're doing with date times. Like, like I said, the biggest problem is not knowing what you're not facing. And that's, that's the, the part that comes back to bite you eventually. So if you want more precision, there is this other thing in SQL server because, you know, there wasn't a better name around date time too. <laughs> if, if you need precision down to the God, I don't even know. It, it's uh let's see how many decimal places did I say it? It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So if you need precision to seven fractions of a second decimal place wise, then you can use date time too. Now, an added benefit of date time too is you can actually represent dates from 010101. 01, 01, 
so January 1st of the year one, all the way through December 31st, 9999, all the way to 23 hours, 59 minutes, 59 seconds, and seven nines of precision. No rounding. It actually saves it in that precision. So super important that you're aware if you need that extra precision and you need that extra date range available, go with the date time too. Of course, it is a little bit more storage. I forget. Uh, I think I, I don't remember. I, I might have it here somewhere. Um, okay, here we go. This it's actually kind of interesting. So it can be smaller than a date time. So storage size is six to eight bytes. So it can grow and, and shrink. So it can be smaller than a date time, but has precision to the nanosecond, which is really good for the date time to data type. The first byte stores the precision and the last three, wait, wait, server use the first byte to store the time precision and the last three bytes to store the date and everything in between to store the time, which can vary in length depending on the specified precision. And that's where you can get a size of six to eight bytes. It depends on how accurate your time storage is. So pretty interesting stuff. Um, let's see. Oh, here's another thing that's really cool. And this will save you size too. In get date or, or in a date time field, you have no ability to say that you just want to store down to the second, right? If you're going to store a date time value, you're going to get second dot zero 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 for your, your millisecond stuff, right? Or the fractions of the second in date time two, you can actually tell it, Hey, I don't want to store any precision after the second. So you can declare your variable. Like if you say my date time two as a date time two and then open parentheses zero, that tells it kill off all the fractional seconds. And so you can actually trim down your storage. So that's kind of a nice, you know, byproduct of using date time too. And I want to mention too, like we're, we're focusing heavily on SQL server because that's the one we work the most with, most with, but I'm sure if you Google Postgres, which I don't know, we're going to call that like SQL server junior now. <laughs> I don't know if you want to wow. Google MySQL or whatever database system you're using SQL or not. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, you know, just, we're giving some information about the stuff that we use a lot. My guess is every system out there is going to have some sort of weird nuances on them, right? Just, just get familiar with them. Know that, know that it, um, you know, these snuck up on us and we've been using these things for a long time. Uh, so yeah, your storage, your memory stuff, like I said, depending on, on how much uh, precision you're using, that's a really good, nice benefit of this. Now here's the thing about date time too. Get rid of your good old used get date function, and you're going to use sys date time. Sys date time is the replacement for using a date time to value. If you want the stuff with UTC and you wanted a date time to precision, you're going to use sys UTC date time. So throw get date out the window, throw get UTC date out the window, and use these sys date functions. Now, another thing that we notice here is we're talking about precision down to the nanoseconds for times. What we still don't have is we still don't have the offset with the date, right? So date time two still does not solve that problem. So what if you date need time three? Say what? 
Yeah, is there a daytime, daytime three? three. There we go. <laughs> God, <laughs> you would think, right? I mean, uh, hey, what's better than seven minute abs? <laughs> Six, Six minute, minute abs. abs. Oh man. So here's the thing: if you actually need to know where it happened, if you need an offset, right? Like where around the world at what point in time did this truly happen? You're going to basically use the date time offset type in SQL Server. So the storage is eight to 10 bytes. The additional two bytes are for the date time offset. Now, what date time offset gives you? It's essentially a date time two plus an offset. That's really all it is. It's the same storage with the, the two bytes for the offset, not time zone. Not time zone, the offset. So plus or minus and then, you know, hours and minutes. So maybe crucial if you need to know when something happened at a given point in time at that local time, wherever it happened in the world, right? Super, super duper important to know. So there's a new method if you're going to use the offset one, which is sys date time offset. That's the one that you're going to call that will give you the current time with the offset information that you could store in your date time offset field. My recommendation is if it's a question, use that one, (laughs) right? Take the hit on the extra two bytes of storage and just use it. It's not going to kill you to store the extra bit of information. If you ever need it, you can use it. But if you don't have it, you can't use it, right? So if you're in SQL Server world, take a look at daytime offset, get familiar with that method, and and you should be good. Now, I do want to point out, we've talked about the offsets, we've talked about all the precision and everything. What we still don't have is we still don't have the time zone, right? And I mentioned you can go to the, you can go from a time zone to an offset, but not the other way around. So if you need time zone information, you're going to have to create a separate field and store it in it, period. That's basically it, right? Like there's no, there's no silver bullet, at least not in SQL server that I'm aware of to where you can store the date time plus the offset plus the time zone. It doesn't exist. I don't believe. Joe, you have a look. Yeah. Sorry. I got distracted. I was trying to figure out who runs NTP servers. Is that like a government? <laughs> you about to? I ended up down a rabbit hole. Uh, that's hilarious. Yeah, sorry. So I missed a, a bunch of what you're saying. So the important thing is there is a standard list of these time zones, and it's called the Olson time zone, and it's a full string representation. So it's not like uh, you know. It, typically, it's not just going to be AU. It's going to be something like uh, you know. U.S. East or something like that. But I have a link to the Wikipedia article. Highly recommend if you're interested at all, go check that thing out. Um, so like, for instance, you'll have Africa slash Dakar, right? Uh, that's the full time zone, America slash Glace Bay. So it's, it's definitely a full name thing and you'll have to set aside additional storage for that. Whether you need to or not, up to you. Don't know. And this is what I'm talking about where it's like America, Los Angeles, like the, the TZ database name or New York. Like this is official designation. Like this isn't just picking a random city. Like, right. Well defined. It's so. official. Yes. So, so two, two quick points. One to Joe's comment about the, the time, like who maintains the NTP servers. So 
in terms of network time protocol, fine. Uh, you know, maybe I'm not sure who that one is, but if I recall the or the the original origin of it, I believe it was the power companies, if I recall, that controlled it because they would sync clocks by the cycles through the power. If I remember correctly, now I could have that wrong. I might, but I'm I'm pretty sure I'm like somewhere in the ballpark of of that right information. And I tried to find it like while you were talking about other stuff, because, because I thought that'd be like an interesting segue, uh, you know, or, or a neat little tidbit, but I, I couldn't find something specific, but I'm pretty sure I remember that that's how it was like. And so if they needed to like adjust the clocks for like the leap seconds or something like that, the power company could adjust the frequency enough. Like they could, they could make just <laughs> such a subtle change that it would, you know, clocks that were synchronized over power, then it, they would, they would get that. It's crazy. Wow. Another thing that that I wanted to point out too is that like, you know, some of this as we're saying, like people might be thinking like, ah, who cares, right? Like I'm going to do, I'm going to just, you know, whatever, you know, look, man, I'm using Apache and whatever Apache, uh, you know, puts out their output as, you know, fine. I'm using Log4Net, like I'm using well-known, well-trusted libraries and whatnot, fine. And maybe, but here's the problem though. So then you decide, hey, you know what? I want to aggregate all my logs into one place, right? Uh, uh, we're a Splunk shop. We want to bring all our logs into one place. Or oh, we're an Elastic pl- shop. We want to bring all of our logs into Elastic. We're a Datadog place. We want to bring them all into Datadog, right? Like whatever your what you know, whatever your aggregation of choice might be, right? So let's say you do that. Apache will include an offset for you. Right. So you will have that in, in your standard log. Now we're talking about kind of defaults here, right? You'll have that in there. But log for net won't. <laughs> it'll, it'll just give you the time to the millisecond at local. Yeah. Well, yeah. At whatever the local. So, so local on the system, not where it is, local on what the system whatever it's confi- is. Whatever it's whatever that system is configured as. Right. So now you want to aggregate those things together and be like, Hey, I see that there was this request made and it went through the application pipeline. Oop, wait, I just lost because this server, this particular server is in US East. Uh, but this other server that it originally, that a request got bounced to was in US West. Or you know what I'm saying? Like, I do. Mm-hmm. Now, now you're, you're at the creek, right? Like, because all of your times are going to, are going to be. That really upsets me. It's going to make it, <laughs> it's going to make it look like. You know, the same request happened hours apart when they did on the same in the same place, right? The same locale, locale, but they didn't. So you want to know what bugs me about that? Is one, I didn't know that about Log4Net, and two, it's an Apache project. Why, <laughs> if Apache does it, did they not do this in the Apache project? You can probably, I'm sure there's some plugin or configuration you can make now, but it's you funny can that probably go tell by, it. Oh, I never thought about it. Though. I never, yeah, it does it in local time. Man, that hurts. All right. What else you got? So that's what I'm saying. Like, well, those were my two okay, things. One, okay. syncing power over, syncing time over the power line. Because, like, I remember, and the only reason why I even know about that was because uh, we've talked about security now before, and Steve Gibson uh, talked about that, you know, sometime last year. I remember there was an episode where he was talking about that syncing across. And I just thought it was kind of an interesting thing that kind of related. And when Joe asked, like, hey, who maintains this thing? I was like, I might kind of know something that relates to that answer, but I don't know if it's the answer. That's crazy. It's really complicated. I kind of thought there'd be like one, like ISO, you know, whatever backer, but it seems like a bunch of different people run NTP servers and you can run your own too. 
that kind of set the time. So it's kind of interesting. It's really important for like, um, apparently, uh, GPS, like time is really important because how it kind of triangulates where you are. And so if you're dealing with multiple satellites and they're off by seconds or, you know, <laughs> time zones and you're going to get some pretty off answers. It's, it's uh, time syncing is very important, apparently. Time Speaking so of, you, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, we'll have a link to those uh, those names there. We actually are going to have a ton of links in this article. And uh, one thing I wanted to call out now, just while I was thinking about it, is a uh, complete developer podcast actually did a three episode series on uh, the history of time and uh, just a bunch of stuff about times. And they cover a lot of different stuff. They actually talk about the evolution of like kind of time itself, like agriculturally up to like computery stuff that like we're talking about. But it was a, a great series to listen to. We'll have links to that too. Oh, cool. All right, so now it's that time of the show that wow, I never say this right. Now it's my favorite part of the show. <laughs> it's the tip of the week. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, it looks like I'm like going think first. About it like, wait, I did. Wait, what, what did I say? Yeah, the times are all jacked up in my head now. Yeah, does anyone remember what my favorite part of the show is? I don't think you ever came up with one. I, it was I did. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't say it. Wait. All right. So anyway, my tip of the week. <laughs> I but I did say it. Uh. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't hear it. Dang it. Oh well, secrets out. <laughs> They're going back. Uh, it's tip of the week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the end of the show. It's <laughs> the end of the show. <laughs> that's how I'm going to do it from now on. When we get to the end, I'll be like, now it's time for Joe's favorite part of the show. It's the end of the show. That wasn't my favorite though. Was it the tip of the week? No, it was uh, the dankest memes. Right. Oh, uh, wait. Yeah. So Somebody, I was trying to bait Outlaw. That's right. He still work. has it. He's still, you're not dank, are you? No, I am. Are you? I found it. Did you? Uh, I did. Did he? I don't remember. I got witnesses. <laughs> you, you're in there? Whatever. All right. So we're, we're playing some inside <laughs> baseball right now. You should join the Slack if you haven't already, and we will involve you in this weird mystery. Yes, totally. Totally. Cut, found ourselves entangled in the drama of the drama. <laughs> <laughs> that's so anticlimactic though all right so yes your tip of the week joe what you got my tip of the week is that uh critical method on uh on slack mentioned to me that you can get edge to read out epubs to you which is really nice because there's definitely a lot of tech material that i would love to hear audio of and i don't want to i don't want to read because it makes me fall asleep really fast and so I've got a link here on how to do that. But in the meantime, I kind of thought like, you know what? Let me just like Google EPUB audio Chrome. And I saw that there's actually a couple apps that are specifically designed for reading PDFs or EPUBs or whatever just out loud. So you just kind of give them the file. You open it up in Chrome, whatever. You have this extension. And there's ones for Edge too, but I just tend to use Chrome. So that's kind of my preference. So uh, I downloaded one of those. I haven't given it a shot yet, but I'll let you know how it goes. That's really cool. Yeah, it'd be great for reading uh pragmatic programmer because there's not a lot of code examples. Oh, huh. pretty nice. All right, then. So my tip of the week is actually nothing super technical this time, but I think in episode 100, we talked about, you know, developer machines and laptops and all that kind of stuff. And, and Tatuko from our Slack channel, he DM'd me and he was like, Hey man, I found, you know, there's a laptop you might be interested in. But the tip that he wanted to share is one that is so true. If you're browsing around on a site and, and you're shopping for laptops, computers, service, whatever, if there's a chat with somebody thing, do it 
because they will almost always give you a discount. And it's usually 10 to 15 to 20%. So if you find yourself super interested in whatever you're trying to purchase and there's a chat live with somebody now, do it. It might take a few minutes of your life, but chances are you'll get a, a halfway decent savings. So excellent tip. And it's one that I do all the time. Don't even think about it anymore, right? Like if I'm about to hit the purchase button, I'm like, hey, what, what, what can you hook me up with here? And always Ooh. works. How much does the discount have to be worth it to interact with another human being? <laughs> yeah. Can I pay extra to not? Isn't it. that what the internet's all about? But you know what? That's the thing though. Like usually if I'm shopping for something like that, it's not like it's the only thing I'm doing, right? Like I've got other things going on. I'll be on another tab. So it's like, man, it's not going to hurt. I'll let the person try and sell me on it and then be like, Hey, are you going to make it worth my while? And then, well, we can see what kind of discount we offer you. All right, cool. Well, that's not good enough. I'll be back later. Right. Like, but you can almost always get some sort of discount. So it's worth it. I mean, you're not really interacting with anybody in real life, right? Like it could be machine learning algorithm out there. It could be an AI that you're chatting with. It's possible. It is nowadays. All right. So my tip of the week is, uh, Python has a cool feature where you can use a virtual environment for your development needs. So I'll include a link to it, but you can install a, uh, well, install sounds like a, uh, maybe overstatement, but yeah, you can configure a virtual environment and in that virtual environment, it'll have all of the binaries and all of the versions of everything that you're using in it. So once you create the virtual environment, you can activate it. And now you can upgrade the version of Python or PIP that you're using, for example, within that virtual environment. But the actual system that you're working in isn't affected. This sounds like a Docker container. Well, okay. So think along those lines, except this is all like directory based, right? So you could have, you could be doing Python development for say, you know, eight different projects, right? And eight, those eight different projects, they might have different dependencies, Right for you know different packages or different versions of python or whatever right and this is a way that you can source an environment for each one of those as you're working on it so you can activate or deactivate a virtual environment and then have different dependencies baked into it without actually affecting the the root operating system version of python that you're using that's really cool so i'll have a link to that so if you're doing any kind of python development and you're not already using that um you know, it's a neat, it's a neat, uh, module out there that you should be aware of. All right. So with that, uh, we hope you have enjoyed this brief introduction to dates and dating. Uh, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher and more using your favorite podcast app. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, we would greatly appreciate it. If you would leave us a review, you can find some helpful links at www.codingblocks.net slash review. Yep. And while you're up there, go ahead and check out our show notes, examples, discussions, and more. And fend your rants, questions, and feedback. Did I say fend? I don't know what you said. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. To the Slack channel, codingblocks.slack.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at codingblocks. I think we're really close to like a milestone with Twitter follower count. Uh, I don't actually remember what that is though. So you should go there and follow us if you aren't already. And sometimes we tweet funny things. And uh, of course, if you go to the website, you'll find social links to the top of the page where we have all sorts of other stuff. 
Yeah, I think uh, if we cross that milestone, Joe was saying something about like he was going to dye his beard rainbow color or something. Something like rainbow that, right? beard. Yeah, I think I heard that. Yeah. Yep, rainbow beard for my uh, for my cousin's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. let's, let's not forget this is the man that still owes us a tattoo so clearly he will see this thing through yes yes there's no doubt <laughs> yeah